Ooh. <laughs> you can't be trusted with your own mic, Chris. We're giving it to Ben. Ben owns all the mics. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products we manage. I, Ben, manage an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, manage Upcase, a subscription-based online learning platform focusing on helping intermediate web developers level up. Hi, Ben. Hey. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. Oh, well, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm down a little bit. Wow. My metrics are moving in the wrong direction. Oh, no. There's Let's red see. on my dashboard, and it makes me sad. What uh, what kind of red? What are we talking about? Um, well, revenue is basically flat. It's down like 1%, which is kind of nothing, although it's lower than last week, which is like the mm-hmm. wrong direction, I'm pretty sure. I'm not an expert in revenue, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to go up, ideally. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds true in my heart, but I mean, my sense would be you're early on in a lot of the work that you're doing, so it's going to move slowly and similar to like weighing yourself every day. They recommend against that. I feel like you should maybe have a moving average kind of thing or something that smooths this out but nonetheless do you have any thoughts about why you might be down flat etc you I, I think i think that point is good and that's i'm glad i talk to you as my therapist every week because <laughs> uh yeah i shouldn't weigh myself every day uh i definitely weigh myself multiple times a day in the uh, in the barometers dashboard it's so easy you just pop it up and it's live and it, it tells is. you the data so the th- I, I i don't think there's anything in there that's super like super indicative of something mm. changing so much as mostly random fluctuation but so I, you're right. I'm I'm early in and all the stuff that I'm doing. And so just to make sure I'm staying in touch with people and finding out what's going on, um, I went and emailed everybody that signed up um, and actually created a form and received a submission in the last week, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't end up paying us money. And so I just contacted everyone and said, hey, like, just wanted to see like what's going on. Like, yes, you got your thing set up. That's cool. But, uh, you know, it'd be cooler if... Yeah. I also got one of those emails. Oh, did you really? I did, yes. And then I thought about responding, and then I thought I'll just talk to you on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You were going to, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so the consensus is the same, which is still pricing is off. Pricing is off. Um, yeah, heard from three ish people, three or four people, and they all, of the 30 something that were mm-hmm. in that cohort, uh, and they basically all said, yeah, pricing is not quite right. Or like, you know, I, I'm trying it out, but I was looking for something free. Yep. So like we have no hurdles to signing up. It's just like, what's your email password? And then people kind of bump into, oh yeah, that's right. There's money. Can you remind me what your current pricing is? Twenty five. Nineteen dollars per month per form. Nineteen per month per form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As someone who's used, uh, who's done form keep like things, but very much in a hobbyist way, that's mm-hmm. that's heavy. Yeah. It's a bunch of money for a thing that is kind of set it and forget it. That I, you know. Um, so I guess my question to you is, where's the Ember upgrade? How's that going? Yeah. Uh, Ember, the Ember upgrade. <laughs> the Ember downgrade? The, the Ember, Ember removal? Yeah. Ember extraction. Em- excision. Uh, it is going really well. I think we could possibly finish it this week. Okay. Uh, I ended up booking Bernard for another week uh, next week okay. uh, just because there will probably be loose ends. Like I imagine once we actually mm-hmm. look at everything, I'll be like, oh, that's right, this thing. Well, additionally, once you get that over onto the rail side, it's not as if you want a, you don't have the rail site completely ready. Or you do, but is it done? Is that the idea? And you're going to switch over, you're building the Rails side, and then it's basically a flip a switch, and now all traffic goes to the Rails views? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. So last week, and I think the previous week, you said that this is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the question I had for you last week, was there a way that you could parallelize the thinking and kind of the foundational work for the pricing? Yep. So yes, no? Or is um, that- so I, I hope to start that this week, mm-hmm. basically. 
I don't know that I'm going to get much parallel time in because I think we're going to, we're pretty close to the Ember thing. Sure. Um, so we've had a short week since the last time you and I talked. Yeah. Very uh, short. Basically two and a half work days ago. Mm-hmm. So my hope is to finish off that blog post I'm working. I didn't want to start it and then not finish it. Uh, cause I've, I paid the pedal or I've, I've put the work in. Uh, so even though the pricing stuff is important too, I mm-hmm. want to, I think, I feel like I can knock this out pretty soonish. So what does pretty soonish mean? <sighs> um, pretty soonish means probably this week. So this blog post is the big data centric yes. email address analysis one. Correct. So to put you to the question, could you not set that aside? Do you not think that the context is well enough captured in the writing that you have and that your mental, like, is there too much loaded into RAM for you right now that it would be very difficult to get back into that headspace? No, or No, not really. Okay. Because I'm actually at the point where I'm just about done crunching the numbers and I feel really good about the data. Okay. And so once that's done, it becomes writing as opposed to anything else. So my leaning would be get to the end of the data crunching, lock that down because that is there's a certain context and a mm-hmm. certain mental framework, but get that to a point that it's well-defined and then step away from that and yeah. push on the Ember tra- and like your Rails developer, hop in there yourself, like just rip it open, get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. As I listen to myself saying things, I'm agree. I'm like saying, I said that's the most important and yet I'm yeah. talking about another thing. Why am I still doing that? And I, yeah, I have nothing but excuses, I guess, yep. but I'll tell you a good excuse though, Ooh, which is do. that I, I think one of my flaw, one of my many flaws is that I like to bounce around from th- uh, yeah. between things. Like I love the new. Yep. And so I'm trying to not be that guy. And so I'm trying to make sure I finish like a project once I start the project. Yeah. But sometimes maybe I should put the project down and come back to it later. Uh, I think, I mean, most people suffer from this to a certain extent. I certainly do. Um, so let's chat once a week and I'll, uh, I'll maybe point it out to you. Yeah. But that, that sounds helpful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so for this particular one, I agree, uh, or at least from what you've said, it sounds like pricing is absolutely the thing. Like, I think you've got a solid product here. I think if you get pricing in order, that's going to be a fundamental conversion changer for you. Mm-hmm. And then all of the marketing stuff that just starts putting people into a funnel that works. Whereas right now, funnel slash retention are just not where they need to be likely because of pricing. Right. Doesn't sound like features is the thing. So Not really. So yeah, I would say push as hard as you like set aside marketing and things like that. Because right now you're like your conversion engine, even if you start sending tons of people there. It's not a great conversion situation. Exactly. Pricing. Uh, I was thinking the other day about how pricing is actually part of product market fit, which yes. is something I hadn't considered before. Yeah. But like you're, it, you, the pricing determines who is willing to pay for it. And so that, that who part is like, what are they and what are they doing? Yeah. And so we're, that's actually a big part of the, that's, we don't have product market fit because we're charging the wrong dollar amount. Yep. And, in, in, you know, segmenting things the wrong way. Yeah. As a potential user of FormKeep, it becomes a no brainer that I use on every single static site at a certain price point. I don't know what that price point is. I think I'd have to kind of emotionally search that out. Mm-hmm. But it's clear to me that that behavior complements static sites so well. And I personally love static sites as a solution, their simplicity, the kind of focus, the ease of deployment, and all of it. I'm just a big fan of them. Uh, and then this is the thing that makes them better, makes them useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, th- it's going to take a while to figure it out, but I really feel like there's a way to scale pricing relative value that the end user is getting such that you have that very low price point for hobbyists. This is my little side. This is my personal site where I get like two submissions a month and it's people saying like, I like your blog. Mm-hmm. But being able to support those users so that they get into the FormKeep world, so that mm-hmm. they learn how to use FormKeep, so that it's their tool of choice for this. Mm-hmm. And then when they have a work project, 
they run with it and they get it into big enterprise situations where you can say you you want an SLA sure that's nine thousand dollars I don't know it's a large number yeah um, but that makes a lot of sense to me and so anything you can do to push to that place quicker feels beneficial yeah agreed the blog post is a marketing activity yep and if the pricing is way off and it does affect product market fit then we don't have the right if the product market fit is off why are we spending why am i spending time on marketing like i don't want to why send yeah. another thousand visitors to a product that i know has this issue that makes it not work for a bunch of people yeah the one thing i'll say to counter that and again i, I think the sequencing that we're describing of kind of pushing the blog post back for a little while and working on getting the ember thing done getting the pricing in place mm-hmm. uh, that makes sense to me i think that's the right approach but the idea of a kind of perfect sequencing is something that I personally struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, I, should I be doing marketing while I think that this other thing is broken? Mm-hmm. Oh, and the emails, I shouldn't even be capturing email addresses right now because I don't know what to do. No, wait, capture email. Just do the best I can on all the things right now. Mm-hmm. Pick the most important one, push on that. Uh, so in the sense that like, if you were to write that blog post, let's assume it doesn't go crazy viral and there's not like a 20,000 or 100,000 visit spike that you would lose out on. Mm-hmm. It really is bumping you up in Google's eyes, getting a lot of links into that blog. And that's a that's a long-term benefit. That's yep. helping your SEO and getting long-term organic traffic to you. So in the sense that your pricing might not be perfect now, I don't think that's a reason to set aside the blog posts or to say like, I shouldn't be doing marketing now. But I do think the fact that you continue to say that the pricing is the most important part, that's the reason that pricing should be the thing that you're doing. Seriously, yeah. So it's it's <laughs> brilliant analysis, right? It's like, <laughs> what's most important? It's X. Okay, what are you doing? I'm doing Y. What if you did X instead? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's um, easy for outsiders to say these things, by exactly. the way. I hope you'll do the same in a few minutes for me. So. Yeah, totally. I, man, I keep thinking about this idea of like, I, I see a lot of people talk about building businesses and, and they all seem to say that it's not. A mar- or it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, yeah. right? It's all about showing up and getting a little further every day and doing good work in a sustainable way, hopefully, uh, and, and all that. And I that's, that makes sense, and I agree with that and all that. But, like, my mind wants to sprint. Yep. Uh, I'm in a hurry. I want to do good things. Like, seeing the numbers go the wrong way and, like, seeing mm-hmm. these projects that are not done, I'm just like, oh, my God, we got to go. Yep. It's, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Everyone talks about the mental side of these like running businesses as being the hard part and yep. i'm agreeing with that more and more the further away i get from like what's just the next trello card that i need to yeah. like write the code for and the more i move to like i have responsibility for this the, the whole thing or the mm-hmm. whole pnl it's like man this it gets a lot more tough mentally yeah the the highs are higher and the lows are lower is how i would describe it like those days where everything seems to click and revenue is moving in the right direction it's like oh this is amazing this is the best thing yeah but the corollary is true when things are not trending that way and particularly the the sense of helplessness that comes up every once in a while it's yeah. like i'd I feel like I'm doing the work and it's just not going. And there's there's seasonality. There's just kind of randomness to the data. Uh, there's the fact that some stuff might not be working. But as long as you're picking the best things to work on at any given time, testing as much as you can, testing as quickly as you can, you know, those are the tools we have. So there's, there's also a thing where I feel myself equating the performance of the business and my own self yep. worth, basically. Yeah. It's like, oh, like revenue's down 1% this week. I suck. You know, it's yeah. like that's that feels like a real dangerous place to be. Absolutely. It feels yeah. normal and natural, but also like that's got to be unhealthy, not yeah. going to be good. It feels like one of those things you name it, you try and be uh, like kind of meta thinking. Mm-hmm. I notice myself having this uh, emotional reaction, but I let's step away from that. No, I feel like I'm doing good work. Uh, and I think the valuable thing is 
being able to step back and ask the question, well, am I doing the right work right now? Yeah. And insofar as that feeling promotes that thinking and then potentially gets you to change what you're doing, then it's beneficial. Then it's a good thing. But if it's just kind of like numbers are down, I am down, mm-hmm. uh, which I've, I've definitely felt the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like right around Christmas, the numbers did that thing that they do right around Christmas. And I was like, oh, stop, stop it. Go up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this, some of the stuff happened uh, since we last talked. Uh, published our first blog post. Uh, that was the one written by Audience Ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about if you're not embarrassed of the first thing you ship, then you should uh, you ship too late. Oh, I love that uh, theme. Our, yeah, I our, love that theme. <laughs> our blog uh, is definitely a little embarrassing. Uh, Your blog? Yeah. <laughs> uh, default WordPress template with all the jankiness involved. And uh, WordPress. I'll point out WordPress, WordPress as a word that you used in there. WordPress for sure, yeah. Uh, Hilariously, our first blog post was about the advantages of static sites published on a WordPress blog. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so WordPress is a requirement of working with the audience office people. Mm. They won't publish under anything else. Yep. Uh, and I think longer term, if you deem that important, which personally I, I would I would give a thumbs up to that, you can transition to a static site. So there's nothing limiting that right now. And totally. this got you a little bit further. So in that sense, I support it. Uh, but man, static sites, they're so good. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably yeah. Who knows? There's a, there's a debate to be had. I think WordPress is absolutely the right choice right now, given yep. the requirements that I have. But yeah, it was. I did. I went in there and did some cleanup. Uh, I meant to do the cleanup before the email went out to everybody yeah. saying, "Here's our blog post," but it didn't. So, extra embarrassment. That's fun. But uh, didn't you say that the blog post was about if you don't? Or are you saying that's your theme? The mm-hmm. if you're not embarrassed by the MVP, then you ship too late. That was, that's just what I'm talking about right that's now. That's your theme about the blog. About the blog. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, in the sense of treating launches as these big singular events, uh, that feels like a counterproductive idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then thinking of launches as iterative, ongoing, mm-hmm. I launch and then I relaunch and then I send it to a few other people and people just keep showing up and each of those people, for them, it's the first time they see it. That mindset has helped me so much in being like, let's just get something out there. Uh, something that is... Preferably not actually embarrassing, but like it's a little rough around the edges, but it's live. And that's important. And we can iterate on live. We can't iterate on nothing. (sighs) It is tough to iterate on nothing. Very. So that happened. That's out. That's good. I'm I'm glad. And and the other thing, as, as, as we were talking earlier, I was thinking like, I'm working on a blog post. I've hired other people to work on blog posts. Yes, they might not be like amazing A plus content, but like it's still happening. And so like, why am I not putting myself in this other direction? So we'll see. And, this, and in fact, also... Um, the other direction being... Uh, the price, the Ember okay. removal pricing yeah. change kind of stuff. Also, uh, I'm working with uh, Priceonomics, uh, mm-hmm. also on a blog post. So like, there's, there's content in the pipeline. Yeah, I think if I remember last week, most of your updates were content and marketing. Yeah. And you didn't have much to say on the product side. And so True. I think backing away from that just a little bit, mm-hmm. bringing in some product stuff makes, makes some sense, even it totally. out. Totally. So yeah, okay. That's, I'm, that's my takeaway right now other stuff that happened uh i am putting together a mastermind um so for people who don't know mastermind is a gathering of like-minded folks that are, have maybe similar goals mm-hmm. um but possibly different levels of experience uh who want to try to help each other along that path uh so this is sort of like a mini mastermind i would say you and i talking mm-hmm. um but i feel like we kind of know the same ish stuff yeah. in a way so i think we're able to give a nice objective point of view on things which is actually super helpful and we as i just found um again but uh getting i really wanted to have a group i want to i want to put a group together to make sure i'm getting outside Mm -hmm. feedback because we don't i feel like i don't have anyone to go to exactly for like okay who's an expert on this how who do i talk to right or at least someone who's done this before 
Yep. So um, I got a cold email from someone after one of our, our after our first podcast mm-hmm. of this ilk, and uh, we did a call and we really hit it off. And so I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want it?" And he said, "Yes." So I got two in there. Uh, I think four is uh, where I want to be roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent over some suggestions. I have a couple of people I'm reaching out to. So I think uh, pretty shortly I should have like a, a weekly mastermind group going on. Sounds good. I'm pretty excited about that. Those outside, like the cross pollination kind of thing, outside ideas flowing in, yep. and then from me to you, and is I think super great. And frankly, I mean, uh, rubber ducking is a theme that comes to mind here. So rubber ducking being from the book The Pragmatic Programmer, and just the idea that just stating aloud the problem can often be enough to help you get to the solution. Mm. If you kind of you're just your hands are on the keyboard, you're hitting your head against the same bug. If you can describe that to someone else often you'll find yourself at the answer. And so the rubber duck was a developer put a rubber duck on his desk and he would talk to it throughout the day. Um, but just talking to anyone about it, being forced to not just be in your own head, but to mm-hmm. talk it out, to say in words and to put names and put words to emotions that you're feeling and things like that can be incredibly useful. So even if they're not terribly knowledgeable, I think that can be super useful. If they are, all the better. And so being able to have a network of people to talk to about stuff and business and product decisions, uh, super useful. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 the best thing I ever did for my programming skills was to work with more experienced people. Yeah. So, I mean, if I could pair business with somebody, that'd be cool, but that seems uh, harder. So Harder, um, yeah. This is kind of like a step along the way, at least like, you know, weekly mentoring type thing. Yep. Feedback on, on, on work done. Cool. That's, that's in progress. Um, one thing that we, we touched on this at the end of the last podcast uh, where I mentioned one of the things that went well uh, during the week was sales. I had a, a sales call that I felt right. good about. Yep. Uh, and so I just wanted to, t- to cover that briefly, which was uh, I talked to someone who works for a uh, company that sells leads. They're a lead generation company. So they run a bunch of ads and those ads go to landing pages and those landing pages turn into leads that they uh, validate and then pass on and get paid for. Okay. Um, and he said they have something like 30 forms and they want to go to like 100 next year. And uh, they thought FormKeep might be a good fit to... 30 to 100. Okay, yeah. That's, uh, those are nice numbers. Yeah. Um, FormKeep might be a good fit to basically be the initial endpoint to get hit and then forward it on to their other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've looked at other things like Unbounce, um, like other lead page providers, uh, but they are doing very complicated client-side JavaScript. Hmm. So they do a lot of validation that they found helps a lot with their quality of leads and lack of typos and all that stuff. Interesting. Uh, and so they can't use anything where they can't have their JavaScript running. So that's pretty much our sweet spot. And so I was like, <laughs> we you- want to own the whole form thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that was a great prospect for us, but I was excited with how um, I approached the call. And so I had read through recently uh, Spin Selling, um, mm-hmm. or summary at least of Spin Selling, which is this like pretty famous book within the sales world, yep. um, which is basically a sales technique for when you're talking to somebody, like what do you do and what do you ask about? And Spin is an acronym for Situation, Problem, Implication, Need, Payoff. Um, and so the situation is you ask what's going on, like, what's, what's the deal in your business now? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you currently do this? What's working for you? And then, uh, the next thing is problem, which is what's the problem? Like what, what isn't working for you right now? What are the, what struggles are you facing? Uh, I is implication. So it's like, okay, so given that you have this problem and you don't solve it, what would that look like? And then need payoff is like, okay, so if we solve this in this way, would that, like, what would the benefit be to you? Mm-hmm. And you're sort of walking this person through this, like the thought process of assuming like, do I have a, like, what, what's going on? Do I have a problem? If this problem doesn't get solved, what happens? And then if I did fix this, then what happens is kind mm-hmm. of like a, 
you help them draw that connection, basically. Basically, future uh, identifying with the future state, both the negative and the positive, and then say, we can help with the positive. Totally. We can take you from the negative to the positive. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I went through that, more or less, uh, and it, it worked really well. Um, granted, this was like a really good prospect for us as a good yeah. fit, but it created, especially the asking a bunch of questions in the beginning, Yeah, worked really well. Um, like getting a sense of what the business was, and I asked like uh, specifics, like you know, what's a what is a lead worth to you? How many mm-hmm. are coming through? How many people are working on this? Uh, and and just felt like I had a really good grasp of the situation, so that when I said at the end, like you know, actually this would be a really good fit because we can do this and this. Right. Uh, I knew I was right. Yeah. And I was like I felt really good recommending us. My understanding of solid sales technique techniques is it uh, it tends to fall into the partnership rather than the the like active selling i'm convincing you to buy this thing yeah it's tell me about your problem absolutely it turns out that we have a solution hey together we can get you to that place and so it sounds like that's roughly what you were doing was understanding them and being like totally we've we've got that this is the thing that we're selling here Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so that's that's cool and these are like sales basics for anyone that's done it before i imagine but i have very little experience in that so maybe someday we can get someone who actually does sales on the podcast yeah with us that'd be great definitely i'm sure we could um and so I was pretty pleased with uh, the way that felt. Nice. Having botched other sales calls in the past. It's mm. like, okay, this, this framework is, pretty, is a pretty nice way of approaching this. Right. Have you done any sales for ThoughtBot? Um, not really. Okay. Yeah, I think I've been a couple, like a, years, a couple years ago. Right. Cool. Yeah. Anything else on your side? Um, one last thing was, um, you and I have chatted about this offline about, uh, I think it was offline, about uh, this blog post about radical candor. I read that and I was pretty inspired. Uh, and the gist is, hey, be honest with people because feedback is useful. And as mm-hmm. long as it comes from a place of compassion and you're not being a jerk about it, um, it's worth pretty much right away giving feedback when you when things are going on with people. Right. I think the the like the example that stood out to me in it was the distinction between a boss telling an employee, "You're dumb." That's mm. obviously not a good thing to do. That comes, there's like a quadrant and that's the bottom right. You shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the corollary, the thing that was said and that was referenced in the article was you sound less intelligent when you say, um, all the time in your uh, presentations. Mm. Let's talk about how we can work through that. So it was less of a, you are something. It was, uh, you've you know presented this behavior and here's how it's coming across. Let's work together to get you to a better place, but not not saying anything because it's a little bit awkward finding the way to say it in a empathy based caring uh i care about you and so let's work together to to get to that better place yeah yeah so so that came to mind uh yesterday because uh you and i were talking about those guides that i was making for the static site generators Mm -hmm. and you said can't someone else do that and i said yes and so i did actually outsource that to somebody Mm -hmm. and i got back to work yesterday uh, and i opened up one of the and uh, basically found three typos kind of right away. Yep. Uh, and you hate typos. And Yeah, and just some awkward writing in general. Mm-hmm. And I think past me would have been like, okay, well, that was a failed experiment. It turns out I can't actually outsource something to somebody. Right. I guess I'll take these and clean them up. And then, you know, in the future, I know I have to do them myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, I just said, I told the person that. I said, hey, I have a, I'm a super stickler for correctness of writing and quality of writing. So, like, here are the three typos I found in the first document. I haven't looked at the others. I need you to go back and redo these. Mm-hmm. It, I, I'd, I'd rather it take more time and, and be actually correct. But I want to feel like these are pristine and ready to publish when they come back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, yeah, absolutely no problem. And then turn them around, and I just got them back this morning. So um, I'm going to go through and see what happened. But uh, that felt like, felt like a step forward. Mm-hmm. Small thing, but like a, a positive progress. Like, actually 
telling this person what the standards were and what mattered to me. Yeah. And uh, hopefully when I review them, actually getting what I asked for yeah. uh, feels like a nice move. Here. I think that's a critical aspect of being able to successfully delegate because it's so rare that someone is going to have exactly the value structure that you do, have exactly the thinking and, and wording or approach uh, and so being fine with the fact that what you will get back is likely not the 100% of what you would produce, whether or not that's actually the best thing, just as a person, this is how I would have done it. And if I get back anything that's not that, I start to compare and I start to look at the differences. Mm-hmm. And so quickly being like, well, nope, I, I, apparently I'm the only one who can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's maybe a natural state to go to, but fighting that and saying like, no, let's let's try and communicate a little bit better be clear about the values of like for you correctness and typos and things like that or the same thing holds for coding you know we, we really value name clarity so like when you're naming variables that's super important mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that you give that sort of feedback because people can grow they can uh, kind of learn those things they can adapt to your working style or my working style or whatever so yep. and being able to delegate is a hugely important thing when you know time is a precious precious resource yeah and I think people rise to the standard that you set. Um, and sometimes it takes a little while for them to realize how high that might be, I guess. It's also sort of unfair to hold people to a standard that you never uh, explained. Right, exactly. Like, for me, I actually I tend to produce uh, copy that is not free of typos. Mm-hmm. I know that, and I purposefully outsource that aspect of writing. I think I'm relatively good at uh, producing technical wording and things like that. But the fine-grained... Uh, down to that last level that that's not my strong suit but i found people that i can work with that will help complement that mm-hmm. and uh, like you have uh, helped with that uh, for me personally in the past and so knowing that and knowing that that's kind of the back and forth that we might have mm-hmm. that's very different than if you were expecting me to give you and maybe you were and maybe i was just failing miserably and giving you typo written documents but that was my expectation uh and frankly if you were looking at everything I gave you and seeing all the typos and hating it and didn't say anything, then that falls out of the radical, like radical candor would have been, tell me that I I'm happy to put the extra work in and figure that out. If that's the measure that you're going to hold me to, but I need to know that. Right. Yeah. That need to know part is important. I used to, uh, direct, help direct a chorus and I got such better results when I would tell people what I was looking for and what was, what would fly and what wouldn't. Yep. As opposed to being like disappointed with people just in like, ah, it's not good enough. It's like, okay, these three things are really important. We have to do them all the time. And mm-hmm. if you're not doing them, I'm going to call you out on them. And it, it's actually like people, people want that actually. Like it's, it was surprising to me how well people responded to right. having, understanding what a sta- what the standards were and mm-hmm. you know, how to meet them, especially the how to meet them part. Yeah. If you can train people uh, how to do them, that's even, even better. But I think that's, that's about it for my general update for the week. All right. Next yeah. week will be better. I'm confident. Uh, And I think you'll push through to the important things. And having the pricing engine is something that you can work on. I think will be really beneficial to your mental state and the ability to actually move this product in the right direction. So true. So the sooner we get there, the better. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. So for me, uh, unfortunately, the two and a half work days or so that we had uh, limited my output on a number of fronts. Uh, Things that we did get done. Uh, working on some of the analytics things, and I realized we have a single staging or a single segment instance. So all events from staging or from production of the upcase application go into the same analytics thing. Bummer. So in the sense of cleaning up the data, that's, that's probably like, true for Formcube too, actually. <laughs> quite possibly. Uh, it seems common looking at our segment setup because we have a Thoughtbot wide one. We yeah. don't seem to have many staging apps in there. Yeah. Uh, but 
it was really easy. I just went in and said, new app, please. I will call it upcase staging. And I put the uh, environment variable in the config for staging. Yeah. And now as I'm moving towards data cleanliness in my analytics and wanting those to be a little more trustworthy, that's just one step in the right direction. So that was nice. One of the analytics, I had two analytics-related goals. One of them I was able to get in, which was specifying for any event that we're sending out, is this user a guest, a sampler, or a subscriber? Technically, we don't actually track uh, logged out events, so guest doesn't really count, although we might down the road, at least from the Ruby side. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sampler versus subscriber is a very meaningful distinction. Mm -hmm. And if anything, we're moving towards this idea of having more samplers. So just to clarify, sampler is someone who is signed into the app. We know who they are. We can identify them. But they are not a subscriber. They're not paying us currently. So they're trying out some of the free videos you know, anything like that. And that's something that we're, uh, we've recently introduced into the app and that we're moving towards pretty heavily over, that's that's kind of a big plan that we have right now. So having cleanliness of data around what state was this user in, how did they appear to us, uh, I think is super useful. Mm-hmm. So we got that, that's on production now. Happy about that. Uh, other analytics thing that I wanted was a little bit of clarification of the exercise system. Uh, That's less critical. There's nothing where it's actually relevant yet because we have no courses that are exercise and video, Hmm. but soon we will. So I want to get that in beforehand, but I'm okay that that didn't uh, perhaps make it in this week. Um, Additionally, uh, wanted to make it so that we can make weekly iteration videos free samples. Mm-hmm. Uh, so auth to access is the terminology that we use. People click a GitHub auth button, go through GitHub, come back, they're watching the video. Uh, that is not done, but we have Ali, one of our designers here, working on that, which is awesome. Uh, she became available this morning, and so I was able to explain the outline and actually also get her thinking on it because this is a, actually more of a design task than a development task. Mm-hmm. And so I gave her my... Big thinking, I want to expose more of this content. Here's roughly where I'm thinking CTA button here. These are the different states. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's running with that now. So happy that that's in work. Wish we had accomplished it, but such is life. That is such a nice part about working with ThoughtBot level designers is that I feel like we can do that, which is like, here are my goals mm-hmm. for this thing. Please help. Yes. And that's kind of like, they'll certainly ask a lot of questions, but it's nice that it's not like, I need you to design me a button for here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, when I do find myself getting to that level of specificity, I'll purposefully back off and say like, actually, n- never mind. Forget what I said about the button. I want a way for people to do X, right. whatever that means, whatever yep. you think is the best way. Yeah. And almost as a rule, they will come up with something that is better, more cohesive with the existing design, more functional with the base idea that we're trying to represent. Yeah. So. I try to do that with my feedback uh, in general, with especially about design mm-hmm. and UX type things. It's like, as opposed to saying like, what if we made it green? Yeah, It's more like, I feel like it doesn't seem as clickable or right. like it kind of looks like a background element and I just sort of offer like thoughts at a you know somewhat more generic level right. and let the expert uh, decide how to address them. You don't say it doesn't pop enough, do you? No, I don't think okay. I said that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do say that to troll people occasionally. Yeah, but of course. Yeah. So behind that, actually, and this isn't something that I had talked about last week or I had had maybe hinted at it, but there is a a deeper theme that I'm pushing towards, which is the idea of right now we have a lot of content that is strictly behind the paywall. So recently, all of the content on the Tmux course, all of the content on uh, test-driven Rails, all of the content on mastering Git, those were all hidden. And the only thing that you could see was the main landing page listing out each of the videos Mm -hmm. with a little blurb. But... We actually put a lot of effort into the copy that's associated with each of the videos. It's not quite a transcript, but it's it's intended to be the text that you would be able to come back to 
after having watched the video. So it includes all the code samples that are necessary, any code snippets, things like that, as well as the high-level thinking written out in words. Mm-hmm. So that means we've written a whole lot of words with lots of keywords in them yep. that Google and our users can't see. So they can't see the value that's that's there because I think these are significantly valuable piece of the system mm-hmm. and Google also can't see it. Uh, so we were tying around, uh, we continue to toy around with the idea of actually opening up everything, basically. Uh, all content is, uh, you can basically land on any video page. Uh, they'll be crawlable by Google, so we'll get hopefully some SEO, long tail keywords, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but additionally, adding in more call to action buttons saying, you know, you can read all of this text if you auth. You can watch this video because it's a free sample if you auth having different levels of mm. let's get you engaged you you want this thing we want to share it uh so let's let's get there mm-hmm. uh, i have some lingering concerns that if i like the text is largely everything that happens in the videos it's all the code that's necessary and it's all of the words yeah uh i don't believe that the text on its own is nearly as valuable as the text as a supporting element to the video mm-hmm. so i think making the text available will be fine but i do have this lingering concern that that might cannibalize subscriptions yep i don't think so and looking at the rest of kind of the industry of online learning stuff they all go in this direction hmm. uh, tons of free stuff the first version the first uh, chapter of every course is free all of that so it lends to this thinking um, the idea of getting people into that like sampler tier and mm-hmm. then staying in touch with them over email and things like that and eventually converting them into a subscriber seems to be the main way that these sort of sites work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, what we're thinking about. I'm excited about that. I think that feels right to me and it also feels right in the sense that uh, I've poured a lot of my knowledge into those words on those pages and it kind of hurts me personally that that's on the other side of a paywall. Mm. Uh, so I would be much happier if even if the video content is still you have to pay to access that if all of that text content were available. Hmm. Um, and like my ability to link to that with a client and say, oh, you should think about the mystery guest pattern. Here's a link into where Upcase where we're talking about that in particular detail. Yeah, the, the thing I found myself wondering is if the video and the text really do go are best together, mm-hmm. then the text is somewhat hampered by the lack of the video, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it provides, you know, there, there is some value there and it, uh, you know, Google would like it but it's not as good. So to me, that suggests more of giving away complete video plus text mm-hmm. things uh, and just saying you can get the rest if you do something, like subscribe or auth or something like that. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm sure this is something you've considered as well, but it's just rather than give someone half of the product or like half of, yeah, I guess I worry that they might read the text and think, okay, well, I got the gist and the text is not quite as good as the video, but I don't really need the video. Yeah. Um, but the text is not as good as it would be if they had the video with it. Yep. Um, if there's maybe you could give them, you know, all of some part of it as opposed to half of all of it. Right. Well, so that's kind of the mode that we're in now. So we have auth to access the first two to three videos per course. You get the whole thing. So you get the video and the notes for free, yep. but you literally can't see the content for the later pieces. Mm-hmm. So in a sense of trying to show the value that is there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The text is definitely valuable. You can, as a user, read that, get a sense of what's going on, and actually be perfectly fine. You will miss out on the more nuanced thinking, some of the more subtle aspects. And one of the themes that we hear is people are purchasing Upcase because they want to hear ThoughtBot. Mm -hmm. They want to hear the ThoughtBot opinions around development. So the words on the page are good, but they just 
if you're trying to hear ThoughtBot talk about something, that comes in the video. Hmm. That comes particularly like the weekly iteration. That's me having a conversation with another developer or designer about how they work, how they think, patterns, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, it's, it's a fundamental concern. It's something that I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah. The one other interesting aspect is the weekly iteration is in this mode anyway. This is kind of a on by default for weekly iteration. I don't know that it was a purposeful choice. It may have just been we, I, I'm not really sure. So you can see all the text for the weekly iteration? Yes. So if you are completely signed out, if you're a guest and you visit the weekly iteration, you will see a sample of the video. So two minutes, typically the first two minutes, Tom will cut that out. And then you'll see the full text. Huh. No limitations whatsoever. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so particularly the way we're thinking about doing this is have Tom create a trailer for a given trail, for a course, mm-hmm. uh, as it were. So say Mastering Git, he'll create a trailer that uh, sums up some of the highlights, mm-hmm. shows some of the screens, fancy magic movie uh, stuff. And that's what's showed in the video position on each of the additional pages. Mm-hmm. So the first two or three, you can see the full thing. The rest of them, you see that. But also for long tail traffic that's landing directly on one of those pages, if you watch that video, it's clear to you this is a part of a bigger thing. You need to buy it in order to get access, et cetera. So if you're already doing this with the weekly iteration, do you have any data that suggests how successful it is? The weekly iteration pages, I believe, are pretty high in our uh, analytics, even though they're sort of buried. You can't get to them directly. Like Google has to do many hops in order to get to a weekly iteration page. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nonetheless, they're visited pretty heavily. Uh, People Mm -hmm. are interacting with them, watching the samples. So that leads me to think there's some stuff here. Uh, But you're right. I actually, I was realizing as I was saying this to you that this is true, that we have a test bed. Uh, and I should poke at that a little bit more. So I think I'm going to do that as part of the work I'm uh, doing in this larger project. Yeah, to me, the interesting thing would be do, who signs up after they view uh, some weekly iteration samples. Yeah. Like, yeah. viewing them is cool, but the thing you want to actually test is, like, mm-hmm. is giving away the text, creating, like, uh, getting you more customers. Yeah, I, I definitely, I need to look into that. That's a that's a good point. There's sort of a fundamental um, assumption here, which is that the video is more valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of an interesting, and I would argue maybe untested, unproven assumption. You know, possibly like, the one caveat I'll say is video is by far the standout content on the site. What That's what people interact with heavily over anything else. Uh, exercises do not see nearly the interaction. Flashcards, which are all text, I think really solid text. I'm really proud of the work that we've done on that. They don't see nearly the interaction that the videos do. People really love to watch the videos. Um, and if you think about actually Railscast as a counterpoint to this, mm-hmm. Railscast, the ASCII cast was part of it that was exposed the whole time. And Railscast did quite well, I think, in that sense. Although I'm not sure if the pro videos, the the four purchase ones were. Yeah, that's a good point. For right. what it's worth, when I land on a Railscast result, I read the text. Were you a subscriber back when subscribing was a thing? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. It was worth it to me to get the video for him to to hear it talked out. When I was n- when I was newer to programming, mm-hmm. I watched the videos more. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to see more, like I needed more explanation as I was going. But yep. like once I got better, I would like kind of just like read the code samples and uh, you know some of the text and be like, okay, I got the gist. Yeah, I mean our target audience is intermediate developers. Yep. I'm not sure which line which side of that line they this, fall on, but this is I mean another part of the problem of running the product when I yeah. Yeah, we're, too, we're far from that point. Indeed. Uh, so that's something we're thinking about. Uh, that was a nice adventure off on that. Um, yeah. Let's see. So I sent a big email last week. Let's do a quick check on how that went. Sent um, a big email. What was this? This was our New Year 2016. Make 2016 the year you level up with ThoughtBot email. So 
we have 4,471 people that it was sent to. We had a 55.9% open rate. That who, feels good. Who who is, are these people? They are, per the best analytics that I could get in Drip, they are never subscribed, mm-hmm. never off to access, and did not receive the Thanksgiving email that you sent out. So are they people that came in through the Drip course then? The Dream Job uh, The Dream Job as well as Drive-By Authors. So people that were just authenticating via GitHub even when it was just a sign-in button. Okay. Um, yeah, to clarify that for listeners, in a lot of cases there was content. It was, you had to be logged in to get to it. And users would just try and click the sign-in button and right. go and authenticate with GitHub. And now they're in our system, but they still can't access it because it's for subscribers. Right. Uh, we were doing a poor job of clarifying that. We've now kind of leaned into that, actually, and the auth to access is, actually, we will give you a free video there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a large volume of users who had authenticated, who had basically indicated interest in the content we have, right. got into our system. So that's largely who this body of people was. Okay. Uh, 55.9% open rate. That feels high. Not that I know a ton. What was your uh, subject line? Make 2016 the year. You level up with ThoughtBot. Okay. And this went out like early January. It's like a... This went out January 7th. Okay. So exactly. This was just before we recorded last week. Okay. Uh, we have 16 conversions. So that's kind of low. It's 0.4%. Not awful. Uh, overall, email converts for us at 1.8%. So it's our highest converting channel. This particular email was a little bit colder yeah. uh, in the sense that we hadn't been in touch with these people in a while. So I'm not terribly surprised that that's lower. Yeah. Although that 1.8%, that incorporates the uh, Dream Job course, which is a drip automated sequence that people opt into as well as our upcase newsletter those both perform better than this Um, yeah i mean these these people are kind of cold leads yes uh so the one thing is i do have one last chance i plan to send out a follow-up uh there was a coupon associated and it was it's going to expire on saturday so i want to send out one more hey just wanted to remind you coupon expires saturday that's a good idea great time to dive in we've got some great content etc yep would have done that before this, but uh, the other thing that I did this week was record the weekly iteration. That is a very time-consuming, but very, I think, worthwhile thing. Sorry, before you yeah, put that sure. other thing to bed, uh, what is roughly, what's the upcase lifetime value these days? Varies between 150 and 180. I think we're around 175 right now. All right, so let's say 175. So if you get 16 conversions at 175, is there a discount in there too of some amount? There was. Okay. Uh, but uh, so, I mean, 16 people at 175 is 2,800, mm-hmm. which is not bad for a single email. For a single email. Uh, it was to a very large volume of people, but we actually have a bigger volume of people. Uh, so another big theme that's in the back of my head is getting email to a more systematic, more mm-hmm. meaningful place. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and you off to access, I'm probably going to tell you about our test-driven Rails course, our mastering Git, Vim, uh, a few of the other, some of our more popular courses, because I know that people like those. Um, and then as new content comes out, so maybe once a month, I'll tell you about the last four weekly iterations, mm-hmm. and perhaps one of those is a free sample. Uh, the fact that I can send emails and say, also, without even paying, you can get access to this particular content has really energized me around sending out a lot of email and saying like, hey, you want this, right? That's what you've said. Here's some of it uh, via email. And so staying in contact, regularly sending these out. Uh, additionally, we had our conversation two podcasts ago about the launch of Mastering Git. And that didn't do terribly well um, mm-hmm. from a hard numbers. I think we had 20 net new subscribers that we could half attribute to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not high enough. It needs to be higher. And I think it definitely can be higher. We have an audience. We have a lot of people in this email world. So we just need to get better about that. So I have a lot of ideas as to how to do that. The next course that goes out, will have a much more systematic email sequence. We'll go out to more people 
hopefully it will have that trailer as a clickable thing at the top of the email. So right there, the click-through I hope will, will be higher than just a plain text email. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think email is a is a feature that we need to be working more with from yeah. a marketing perspective. I've been listening to, um, so Brian Cassell uh, runs Audience Ops. Mm-hmm. I listen to his podcast, which is Bootstrap Web, which I, I like a lot. Yep. And he talks, he has uh, other products other than Audience Ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a productized uh, consulting course, like how to build a productized consulting service uh, and and a couple other things. And he talks about on the podcast, setting up these automation, like marketing automation systems. Yeah. Um, and he's, it's clear he's very, like, he's very systematic about it. He's like, okay, I have a new thing that I want to sell. Well, I need an email course and I need a handful mm-hmm. of things that attract people and then get them to sign up for the email course. And then right. I need this to automatically move them through all these things. Um, and he gets them set up and then he moves on to another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it takes that much sophistication. Uh, it's just sort of this mindset of like, this needs to be an engine that runs on its own. Yep. Um, and then I'll just plug additional, you know, pieces onto the engine or additional like lead sources and things like that. Right. And I think that mindset's really useful. It's definitely not right now, but that's, that's fundamentally one of the themes that I have in my head is yeah. how do I get more people into this email world and how do I regularly engage with them, both giving value and pointing out the quality of the content that we have on the site as we build it out. Yep. So I'm excited about that long-term, this particular thing. Yeah, it's great 16 new subscribers, and there's actually a few more that didn't come in directly through this, and the analytics kind of missed them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll see a few more uh, as I turn on the turbo engine and send out uh, a reminder on this. Um, similar to that, uh, I realized our Twitter account is kind of latent. Uh, it's an automated tweet once a week that says the title of the weekly iteration video. Which you can only get if you're a subscriber. Which well, I get, guess you can get the text now. It you can, you've always been able to get the text. Right, but you yeah. see a two-minute and 30-second sample. It just really, uh, it was the minimum effort to get that out there, and then it stayed at that level. Yep. But the interesting thing is we have 3,500 followers, which is a non-trivial amount of people, Definitely. especially relative to the amount of effort that we put into it. So as of sometime last week, uh, I decided we're going to put some effort into it. Uh, and this definitely feels like something that we can kind of uh, set up and then let it run for a while, set up automated tweeting, things like that. Mm-hmm. Thus far, I'm doing it manually just because I don't want to put in the heavy upfront effort of setting up a sequence. But I've thought of a bunch of conference talks that I like and things like that. So I'm tweeting out links to those. I'm tweeting out links to our content. Rather than sending out the automated uh, Twitter message, the tweet, they're called tweets, Mm -hmm. Uh, the automated tweet for the weekly iteration episode, we're crafting those by hand. So it's a little more engaged. It's not just a title and a link, Mm -hmm. uh, which the titles are things like (laughs) RSpec. So it's like, we're really not trying very hard. And so now it's learn, you know, the basic, something that's a bit more engaging. Yep. And hopefully long-term, that's going to get us more subscribers there. That's another channel that when I launch any piece of content, I can post a few times on there and say, new thing, there's free samples, try it out. Uh, so I'm excited about that as another channel. Uh, it's another one that's going to take a long time to keep building, although 3,500 to start is not a bad audience to be able to to talk to when I have something to say. But um Excited about both of those as long-term marketing systems that we can keep building out. It's interesting. So it seems like based on, uh, it seems like it feels like your focus is on marketing based on the the updates you're giving. Mm-hmm. Given that you want to achieve goals of revenue growth of some kind, mm-hmm. um, marketing is one way to fill the top of the funnel with more people or convert a greater percentage of the people that do enter the top of the funnel. Uh, do you feel like there's product work to be done as well to improve the core product so that people talk about it more or stay more or reduce churn, things like that? Uh, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You're right in highlighting that a lot of my work recently has been product work. Uh, Part of what's going on is... uh, um, Yeah, marketing work, sorry. 
part of that is I've been trying to take the majority of that work and I've tried to shield Ragu's time. I've, I've got him focused on the next piece of content, Ragu pushing that the through. apprentice working on Upcase these days? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he is focused on getting the next piece of content ready to ship. Um, so content, when you say the products, for me, most of that speaks to content, developing new content, fleshing out our curriculum, mm -hmm. actually thinking about it as a holistic curriculum rather than a bunch of pieces of discrete content. Yep. So it's it's about that, and I've uh, his interest is also particularly in that. Yep. So I'm trying to keep kind of guard his time and keep that focus there, and that's that's moving relatively well. Uh, although I do keep distracting him and saying like, actually, can you just help real quick with this thing? Can you do this? Mm -hmm. How about this? But so my time has largely been on the marketing side. The other thing that I'll say to that is I, I want to say that the work that I'm doing right now feels foundational. Hmm. So in the sense that if I figure out how to do regular email sequences for every new subscriber and for launches, mm -hmm. then I don't need to put this amount of time into it down the road. Mm -hmm. So I want to get to a place where I feel like that's relatively stable, which I definitely don't feel like right now but I feel like I'm heading towards, then I can move back and be focused more on the content. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is we actually have a number of other content projects in work. It's just unfortunate that I don't have people directly on the project. So it's a lot of me uh, trying to grab people and say like, hey, do you have a couple minutes? Oh, you're rotating onto a project? Cool, let me grab back that body of work mm -hmm. that you did and try and hand that off to someone That's else. Tough. So it's difficult, but it's the work I have to do. So I realize that and I think you're highlighting to me that I'm doing a lot of marketing. And while I think marketing is super important, content is number one. So in the same way that you told me that getting to pricing stuff is the most important for you, content's the most important for me, and I should probably adjust the work that I'm doing to align with that. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I'm noticing is that when you talk about the product, you talk about content. Mm -hmm. Do you think the biggest problem with the product is that it needs more content? Uh, I think it's twofold. I think it does need more or revised content. I also think it needs clarity and kind of cohesiveness between the pieces of content. Mm -hmm. So a lot of newer developers, and frankly, the, the further they are on the new end of the spectrum, uh, early in their development learning career, the less they're going to be able to look at the content that we have and make the best decision about what to use. And so yeah. in a lot of cases, that just leads to churn. Mm -hmm. uh, or it leads to a mediocre experience where they watch test-driven Rails before they've watched intermediate Rails, and right. they're not quite at the plate. They're confused by the Rails aspects of the test-driven Rails course, when mm -hmm. really that's about testing and TDD. And so that's the other kind of major facet of... Um, enhancing the product, enhancing the content is making it cohesive, making it tell, giving people a better idea of how to move through it, where to start, where to move on to after that, what they need to know before they go into a given course. Um, so we definitely, we're having a lot of conversations around that. Rigo and I are trying to take a first stab at that very soon. Particularly, I think we're trying to say for each topic, let's define what a linear or kind of tree, start with the easiest and then go on to the more complicated, maybe fan out at the end. But what would that look like, both in the sense of the content and in the sense of the UI? How do we uh, branch that out? And frankly, I, I think I should reach out to a designer to help on that as well, because that's more of an abstract. We want people to be able to understand how to move through the content. What does that look like to you? So yeah. I, yeah, I'm taking that away now as an action, as I need to talk to a designer about that. Okay. I don't know if you have done this recently, but... I would also encourage you to talk to happy users mm -hmm. and unhappy users and sort of just a, a cross-section of people, yep. like people that churned after one month, people that stayed for seven months, and just kind of make sure that those assumptions are all correct. Yeah. Um, like, are people that are unhappy, are they overwhelmed or mm -hmm. are they underwhelmed? 
You know, like is it, is it, just make sure that all that stuff is correct. Yeah. And you're pointed in the right direction to make the product better. Yep. Yeah. We talked, you talked a lot in uh, the second episode that we did together about your work with watching users actually sign up for FormKeep and yeah. how uh, illuminating that was for you. Yep. That's definitely on my list as well. Uh, the list, it's, it's a big list, you know? Big list, for uh, sure. The amount of different things that I think either of us can work on at any given time right now is, it complicates things. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Do we? Yeah. 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 So that's that's a bunch of the stuff I'm working on. There's more, but I feel like we're advanced in time and we can talk about more of it in the next one. So do we want to wrap up? Do we have any other questions? I guess in the other thing that I committed to last week, it was getting the weekly iteration done. That got done. I'm super happy with that. Actually, I think this was one of the better recording sessions, both in the cross section of content that we did and the amount of preparation that myself and the other speakers had, our comfort level with what we were talking about and you know, with just talking. Uh, so super happy with that. Uh, exhausted from it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was two and a half hours of recording this morning, and now you and I have been chatting for a while now. But yep. uh, I'll stop talking soon and just go take a nap for the rest of the day. Okay. It seems like you've earned it. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the our last uh, Q&A section. You into that? Yeah. Uh, I went first last time. It's your turn. Why is the product better for your customers than it was last week? Uh, weekly iterations in the can. Those are recorded, and they'll start going out this week. So we said we weren't going to say unshipped stuff counts for this. Yeah. All right. Let's see. <laughs> Did I ship anything? Nope. Nothing. Okay. All right. Uh, pass. <laughs> what have you done to acquire more customers since last week? I guess the, a little bit of the Twitter work. I think that. Uh, but nothing Nothing really stands out. Okay. Uh, what did you do well that you should repeat? Uh, one thing that I've done is I have restructured our task management stuff. We have four Trello boards that are actually representative of the work at hand now. I resurrected. Only four? Uh, only four. So there's... The work at hand, there's the Twitter, so just tracking that, the weekly iteration as a standalone content board, and then the main content board. Uh, And each of those uh, makes sense that they're split that way in my mind. They each are representative of the actual work that's going on now. When I look at them, I have a sense of what we're doing and where we're going, and I feel good about that. And in particular, uh, we had two, a developer and a designer, Derek and Allie, become available today. And in both cases, I was able to say, actually, oh, uh, come here. Uh, yeah, this is the one I prioritized. And nice. so I already had that thinking done. And I, I literally ran out of a recording session from the weekly iteration to be able to grab that time that was available because that time is precious. And being able to use it for what I had then described as the most important thing was super valuable and super happy about that. Great. Very good. Uh, what did you do poorly that you should reduce? I think I did a lot of running around, uh, not as much focus as I would have liked. I think the meetings that I had and the work that I did was good, but getting to the end, like I wasn't able to answer in a particularly strong way to the first two questions. So I think I might have been a little bit diffused, and I'm hoping this next week can kind of come back and have solid answers to all these questions. Awesome. That's always the hope. Uh, what do you hope to do by next time? Uh, right. Hope have to do answers my next to those team. questions. Uh, yeah, I know. You, you threw a lot at me this time. I think we need to push through the uh, being able to get free samples of the weekly iteration. That, that still feels very important. Push through a little bit of the analytics work. And then we have the additional content work, I think. So uh, working with Ragu to get that next course in a completed-like state. Although I realize I probably won't ship that by next time, so it won't count. But it's still the work I need to do, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, what is your MRR? MRR is currently 32454, which is down a little bit from last week, unfortunately. Looks like we're down about $200. So we're in a similar kind of deflated place. Maybe the world is just not buying things this week. That must be it. That seems like it's it. I'm sure, I'm sure that's a problem. Sample size of two. It must be right. Absolutely. 
Awesome. All right, Ben, let's throw those back at you. Yeah. Why is the product better for your customers than it was last week? Uh, one small win, uh, which is that uh, when you you can specify an arbitrary um, endpoint mm-hmm. uh, or webhook, I guess, uh, webhook URL that we will hit after your uh, form gets submissions. You'll post that form data on sharing all that goodness. Exactly. And if it failed, we used to be like, oh, we failed. That's cool. Seems better. Silently failing is like the worst thing. No, everyone loves silent failures. It's great. No, uh, so that was that was a bummer because we, for instance, uh, our Thoughtbot hiring form or contact form, like one of our actual real, like this is an important form thing, somebody somehow broke the integration. Uh, form keep was okay, but it was posting to a place that didn't work, mm-hmm. and there was no indication of that for several. So weeks. the data was not lost, but it wasn't. The data was not lost to correct. Zapier or Trello or wherever we're going on. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't going. It wasn't going out where it's supposed to. And so chat was like, "Hey, it would be nice if this didn't, you know, do that." And I was like, "That's true." <laughs> uh, so we now email you if uh, your webhook fails. Nice. And again, we still have the data. Would we just let you know, hey, we tried to post this thing and it didn't work. Here's your data, by the way, if you want to go see it. That feels like one of those small, uh, it's kind of embarrassing to not have that. So it's great that you have that now. And moving forward, presuming nothing else breaks, that that's a good one. So Yeah, I'm psyched about that one. All right. Uh, what have you done to acquire more customers? Uh, we published a blog post. Mm-hmm. Uh, we emailed and got the blog live. Uh, got the blog live. Yeah, launched the blog, <laughs> such as it is. Uh, we emailed the list about it. Uh, we tweeted about it a couple times with some queued up tweets and whatnot. I also today... Uh, or not today, a couple days ago, emailed everybody who has received a submission on their form, didn't subscribe, mm-hmm. uh, to talk to them why. Yeah, I owe you a conversation about that. Let's uh, save that for next week. Damn it, we were supposed to do that. We were. We'll do it next week. It'll right. still be there. We can yeah. talk a little bit offline maybe too, but I think it's a worthwhile conversation to have. Let's uh, do it. For folks, okay, what did you do well that you should repeat? I've been keeping the Ember push going, which is nice, mm-hmm. like making sure that someone's always on it and uh, trying to help keep that person unblocked, yep. which I view as like one of my most important jobs. Like, yeah. here's a pull request. Like, I have to take the pull request. If no one else is around, like trying mm-hmm. to get some, somebody else back to work is like one of my priorities. Yep. Uh, and also been investing more time in the blog post that also, while maybe not the right direction, I got some good work done mm-hmm. and it feels like good productive progress. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, what did you do poorly that you should reduce? Still working on getting the day started early enough for whatever reason. Like my mm. sleep has been kind of crap this last mm. week. I, uh, and I'm, I usually have really good sleep hygiene and like sleep super well, but lately it's not been as good. So like when the alarm goes off, I'm kind of like, eh, snooze time. Mm-hmm. So still, still working on that one. All right. Which, uh, what do you hope to do by next time? Um, publish. Well, hmm, it changed. My original <laughs> note for this was to publish that blog post, but uh, that is going to go down the priority stack. So the next time we talk is going to be actually more than a week, which is nice. Uh, so let's say let's let's say ship the ember uh, removal. I like it. I think it's fine to aim high on some of these because some things take more than a week, but it is the most important thing and. You definitely shouldn't pick something that is bite-sized just so it gets it in. So Agreed, yeah. I think that is the right thing for you to be working on. Let's get that damn JavaScript out of my app. I've had it with that JavaScript. <laughs> What's your MRR? Is it up or down from last time? Uh, revenue is, uh, MRR is $4,762. It's down 1% since last time, as discussed previously. Mm. It'll pop back, both of us. It'll be great. Uh, before we go, I wanted to mention that we have been talking a couple times, uh, or we've mentioned a couple times, that we'd like to have some outside guests on the podcast. And I just want you, our listeners, to know that that is in progress, and there will be some interesting people coming down the pipeline for some uh, interviews with Chris and I and the expert. All right. I think let's wrap it up. That sounds good. It's been a good good chat, Ben. Yeah, it was a good chat. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes of this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 179. Thanks for listening.